So obviously talking is one of our favorite hobbies. Yes. Talking to each other, about each, each other, about each other, about each other. <laughs> <laughs> the Hence the birth of this podcast. Let's talk about, mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's so much noise now. I think we live in a, in a generation of social media and sometimes it's difficult to find the important things to talk mm-hmm. about. And I think what we've done, we've created this space where people feel safe. And they feel like they can be honest and transparent and also feel like they can get it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because I think that it's through getting it wrong and, and, and through being open about it that you find solutions that will propel change for the future. Agree. You can't get it wrong on this podcast. Nope. So let's talk about it. <laughs> right, so here we are. This is um our first podcast series for Let's Talk About. And we're starting off the series Let's Talk About by speaking with Misan Harriman. Misan, thank you so much for joining Sarah and I in the studio today. How are you? I'm good. I'm with my family. (laughs) It's the family affair today. Thanks for having me. It has been, I don't, I mean, if we rewind back five or six months ago, what has happened for you in six months time some people wait a lifetime for it to happen. And we just want to take a moment and just kind of tap into some of that and just kind of understand what the journey has been like for you, what you're looking forward to in your journey. But first, we want to take it back. So Sarah, you yeah. want to start us off. Go back and then we can bring us up bring to us date. Up date. <laughs> um, so tell us about where you started in the world, in life, in everything. Oh. Yes, go give us the full okay. who is Masan, where and what has brought you to this moment right now. Okay. Um, I'm still figuring out who I am. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> okay. But I, I was born in Nigeria mm-hmm. and uh, all of us were sent to school in England at a really young age. And I think that was when I started dabbling in the creative field. How you old know? are you? Oh, I was, I was tiny. Six or seven. <gasps> That's so little. Yeah, yeah, really, really small boy. Was there were your siblings in the school that you went to? No, we were <gasps> spread about own. all over the place, and um, very few people that look like me in that sort of schooling right. system. So I describe right. it as Harry Potter without the magic. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay. And I think to deal with this change and you know full boarding, so you know a home only on half term yeah. and, and holidays, right. Um, I found splendor in the pages of books, you know, in the notes of music, in the in the sensory experience of a film. And I became that kid that everyone would ask what film they should watch, what song they should listen to. And, right. and in essence, I, I was curating for everyone from the teachers uh, to my own contemporaries, the other students. Um, and no one taught me how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was physically very big, I was never bullied. Mm. And when you're physically at the top of the food chain, it allows you to be freer. Because I didn't feel I had to be in with the super sporty guys or the computer guys. I was just like, I'm going to go on my own uh, discovery journey, journey to for self-worth, to find a meaning in being a scared little boy. Right. And that's where I discovered um, all the films and music that shaped so much of who I am. I remember giving, I think it was, I must be nine, um, a talk when we were asked who our heroes were. And I, I spoke about the lighting in a Stanley Kubrick film called Barry Lyndon as a nine-year-old. As a wow. nine-year-old. Um, but where's that influence coming from? Is there someone that you're watching that you were emulating that? Or was I, there I, someone who encouraged you to tap into your creative You know side? those kids in the cinema, they're, they're like, wow! I was that kid all the time. 
So anytime I was moved by anything, I would just get the that amazing feeling. My whole kind of emotional engine was alive, and mm. I wanted to share it with as many people as possible. And um, I think that was put into me at birth. I don't think there was anyone that instilled that. Um, I remember the first song I ever heard as a very little boy was Sexual Healing. And I just remember thinking, I must have been two. And it was just like... A sexual Healing at two? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Marvin was in every house. Huh? Marvin is cross-generational, Come I guess. On. <laughs> yeah. And um, I remember just... Well, you know when that song starts, it, it seeps yeah. into your soul. And, mm-hmm. and a big part of who I am today is using the power of, of culture and art because there's one thing that we that you, isn't contrived. If you listen to Miles Davis or Joni Mitchell, um, you can't stop but let that genius yeah. open the doors that you've been trying to keep closed even to yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's the superpower of, of, of extraordinary art. And that's what I want to use to make the world a better place, whether it's my photography or my media business or anything mm-hmm. else. I think we're going to get to that. But yes. to, just to, 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 to fast forward, yeah, so nerdy kid that was too big to be bullied, <laughs> use art to make himself feel good and others uh, feel good around me. I'm heavily dyslexic, so I struggled with the classroom, found it very slow, and it wasn't until this thing called the internet found me and I could just digest information at the pace that my brain was wired to, which mm. is fast and, mm-hmm. and a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, it wasn't until... Um, about five years ago that I had my early midlife crisis and stopped being a headhunter in the city and moved out to the countryside single. I hadn't met Camilla at the time. Oh, really? No, no, I was single. And I I lived in this sort of farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And I bathed in solitude because I believe there's a huge difference between loneliness and solitude. And if you can find a moment of solitude... uh, What's the difference between loneliness and solitude? I I think loneliness is you really not finding any road yet you're moving through life without any kind of path so it's almost like being lost in an endless forest and you have to keep trying to find your way out of it and although there is action so you're doing things there's 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 nothing meaningful in your life and that's when you feel alone Whereas solitude is when you take time out and you look inward into the parts of your soul that will tell you why you're on this earth. And if you allow yourself to turn the mirror on yourself, you usually find your own truth. Mm. And that's what happened. And my own truth is a very simple thing. My inner soul said, dude, you've known who the hell you are since you were little. Look at that little boy. Well, that little boy is the man that you need to be today. Right. And I embraced that in a kid with the with the Walkman and and used to go nuts at Blockbuster and, and, and freak out at the cinema. And that's who I am today. And I'm using that sense of wonder to share the very best of music, arts, film, and now photography um, with with the scalability of the information superhighway. Right. Did you not to get off topic, but I love what you said about finding your truth and how you hadn't met Camilla yet or had your two beautiful girls. Do you feel like in finding your truth, that's what brought you to Camilla and made you ready yeah. to have a family? Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. I was coming out of a bad place and moved out of London and just took that time of stillness. And my mum was staying with me. My mum came over from Nigeria, she was staying with me, and I had to go to a wedding and I was really down. And she was like, you should go. It's one of your old cousins. Go. And I almost didn't go to that wedding. And I went to that wedding. And I met this this Nordic 
warrior poet of a woman. She is amazing. And um, the rest, as I say, is history. And I, I say that because if there's one turning point in my life is meeting this woman, she, you know, I've been very public that I suffer, like probably all of us, from from imposter syndrome, from mm. acute self-doubt a lot. Um, especially in my life where I keep jumping from one frying pan to the other, <laughs> right? Um, and she, from the moment, you know, we fell in love, and we fell in love in a really open way in, in terms of, um, I didn't project to be a superhero to her. I was very open about my my failings in, in life, and so was she. And, you know, I all say we felt each other's scars like Braille, and that's how we... Ooh, we, that we oh, that gave me a chill. <laughs> We felt each other's scars like just a brown. He's a wordsmith. No, but but you, you know what I mean. Like if if you show, but someone, that's really beautiful. Yeah, and healing for both yeah. of you. Yeah, and and you know, I, I, if you think of that, um, Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush song, "Don't Give Up," and it's a lovely video as well, where the camera is going around them and they're hugging mm -hmm. each other. Don't give up. The whole song is about a man who life has beaten him up to a pulp, and he tells his wife that he doesn't know what to do anymore and she just says don't give up that even at this place right. you're in i love you and we're just going to keep climbing and i think camilla is that and more to me and she's a person that said that this ability that you have is more than something for dinner parties mm. dear boy okay she's never seen anything like it she's like you, you sent your Spotify playlist to my parents and they were hooked and they're quite conservative Swedish family. And even her parents were like really into my curation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then she got sick and tired, frankly, of my obsession over photography. And I'm probably obsessed right. about photography. Right. And, and, you know, one more, you know, dinner, me banging on about the photo league and how Magnum was set up and, you know, Gordon Parks, Charlie Phillips, Elliot Erwitt, Sally Mann, I can go on all day. Um, people that were poets with their lenses. And she was like, you know what? They're great, but I think you would be an above average photographer. Trust me. And I was like, what do you mean? She got me a camera and I started shooting. And Camilla got you the first camera. Yeah. 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 And wow. I started shooting. And um, she's a very talented uh, photographer herself. And she knew. She's like, the way you curate your eye, you, you will jump up in quality very quickly and she was right i, I guess. think what's interesting is you referred in talking about your school days to your emotional engine mm. um, and i think that's a really big knowing you as friends as well and the way you talk about camilla but it seems like that time of solitude mm. um well you had nelson you weren't completely mm -hmm. alone <laughs> you're an amazing dog um but i think that time of solitude seems to have really reconnected you with the emotional engine because i think it opened you properly to the right love. Mm. And I think that emotional engine is, is what makes you a brilliant photographer and more than a photographer. And I wonder if all of these things hold hands and wouldn't have been possible without each other, you know, because Camilla opens up the emotional engine of your heart and then that opens up the emotional engine of your eye. And then you I know, agree wholeheartedly. Right. We were meant to waltz through life together. There's, there's no other person for me. And uh, how do you know? I'm 42. 42, okay. Yeah, and uh, it, it takes just something like that to unlock everything that you're supposed to be. And, um, you know, she thinks I'll be a, I should be a filmmaker, so I'm going to make movies. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. I, like, actually, it's, it's... I think it was, do you have this really interesting way 
I hope this comes off the right way. You have this really interesting way of being able to connect with people but not take on their baggage, mm. which is very difficult. I think, which mm. is a very difficult thing to do. As I think, as a, as a creator, as as anyone who's creating, whether it be a painter, or a film director, you do have to because you meet so many people. Like think about the, when we talk about the Black Lives Matter protests, the number of people that you met, and a lot of those people had so much trauma. But mm. I think what you're able to do is kind of tap into the world to to. To, their story. to get into their story, mm. but not let it affect mm. your role as a photographer. Because I think that's that's our duty. I mean, Don McCullough, definitely the greatest living uh, wartime reportage photographer from Britain. You know, had to see things that no human being mm. should see, and he he kept shooting. And um, of course, you get affected. You know, and, sure. and as a black man, trust me, shooting the BLM protest, right. I've, I've, uh, but I always remember that no, 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 it's not my turn mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. have a complete breakdown. It is my turn to document this moment. This is what I'm doing for my people, and I have to keep it together. What I love that you did was so much of the, uh, there was just so much terrible reporting at the time that was completely biased and was v- focused on a very few small incidents mm. of of violence, which were mostly from people who had nothing to do with actually protesting this Mm. concept or protesting anti-racism. And I love that you, from the very beginning, spoke about returning the dignity to the people attending these marches Mm. and the dignity of their story and the dignity of their pain and that they are looking for a space for their pain to be acknowledged. It's not anger. It's not... It's it's just to hold a space for those people to share their their story. Yeah, and London showed up. Yeah. You know, I, I get goosebumps thinking of the third time I went out when I knew that this is this is not a normal thing. The I first knew. time you almost didn't come out. Yeah. I had to call. I said, Misai, you will be here. Yeah. <laughs> and I just hung up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you will be yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely fact, true. So what I love about this weirdness is... Um, you are the reason Zadrian and I are partnered and Zadrian and I are together. Mm. And then Zadrian is the reason you came out that first day mm. and all this trajectory since. And we've sort of provided this amazing vacuum of propelling each other forward. Well, the three you know, of us. you meet, you know, so let me tell you, you guys wouldn't be, if you, you need to go back further, you guys right. wouldn't be working together now if I hadn't made a random comment to Naomi Scott exactly. in, in the London Hotel yeah, right. in, in West Hollywood. At you told her that you loved her pants. Yeah, I mean, she looked great. <laughs> you said, I love your pants. Her. I mean, you know. Um, and and I, so I, didn't know, I didn't have any idea who she was. I just thought she looked great. And I, I actually wanted to find out who made them because I wanted to get them for my wife. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then, oh, you're English. Because, oh, you're English. And we started talking out there. Mm-hmm. She just, we started talking about anything. And um, we just connected that way and, you know, be- became dear friends. Right. And and that's how I met Zadrian. Right. I met you in, the first time I met you was in Berlin. Yes, on this Charlie's, Angels. Charlie's Angels. I remember you came yeah. and they were like, oh, Misan's coming to set today. And then you came, and then from there I gave you a copy of Petri. Yeah. And then you wrote that beautiful article for what we see. Wow, it's, it is crazy it is when you, like, connect, you start connecting all the dots. But that's why you just have to really just have faith that and be patient. Because I, yeah. I don't, I don't have patience. No, but we, at all. you know, what I want, I want to have this on record. What's, what's really extraordinary about Zadrian and why I connected you, Sarah, to mm. to Zay is, I went out to LA before I become the known entity that I am today in regards to photography, and I, I, I had meetings with what we see, but I, it was the week of the Oscars, 
and I wanted to shoot people for the Oscars. And, you know, lots of people have made promises, you know the industry, lots yeah. of people have made promises, and I got there, and 99.9 of them were just people that weren't, you know, suddenly weren't responding. Yeah. Emails, WhatsApps, right. and I was like, right. okay, I've flown all this way. And can we pause on that just for one second? Because we actually spoke about this, and we, we do a team meeting at the top of every week, and one of the things that really frustrates me is, as a journal, you know, because my background is in journalism yeah. before styling, and as a journalism, communication is so important to me, and I find it and Sarah's helped me to really grasp this. You know, she was even explaining how culturally some people don't communicate. How I I know the belief that if someone if someone is taking the time to send you a text message, mm-hmm. to send you an email, it does not kill you to reply. Mm-hmm. But Sarah, you had a really great insight this morning that's actually started making me think. But now you're speaking about you've made these plans with these people and you get to L.A. and Before then they just I blank you. Like, I got you. So that's crazy. I, I run like, that town. You traveled you know? across. You want to go to Vanity Fair party? You want to go to Elton John's party? You want to go to Diddy's party? I got you. I'm taking you. I was like, are you sure? Don't worry. I land. Watching Netflix in your hotel by yourself. Blue, t- blue tick, red. Nothing. No response. I was like, you twat. Uh, um, and then other people within the industry that I I, I, I knew, um, suddenly, I, I don't think I was quite important during Oscars week for them to um, register me as a time. human being. So I think after Oscar week, I, I, it, suddenly I, I breathe oxygen. As, it's so as sad, but it's so true. Uh, Zadrian, Zadrian, on a very important week for him, yeah. just said, you're in town? Great. You're going to shoot everyone I'm signing. No, no question. And he hustled. It's like, yeah. dude, you come down here. We're in this condo. We're in this studio. Do it. He basically told the talent, says, you don't know him, but he's shooting you. And he's gonna. He, he knows what he's doing, and and it worked well. And but that's the beauty. I love what you said. That's also the beauty of the people that I work with and that now we'll be working with together. Is that we really do. We're very particular about the people that we work with because, yeah. you know, it was Ali, it was mm. Ariana, it was Amira. Yeah, all um, amazing people. Amazing, well. amazing actresses and talents. And you know, I love the fact that I was able to call them. And be like, y'all don't know me, son. He's here from London. He's going to be amazing. Let him shoot you. And they were all like. Okay, <laughs> but that's what's so great yeah. is that there's this trust, mm. yes. and there really is the wi- the people that we dress know that we would never give a bad stare, right. and we would never put the we won't put you in a position that's going to. No. I always say we're never going to put you in a position that makes you look bad because ultimately that's going to reflect bad on us. us. And I knew that you were and going I to deliver. They do trust our judgment also because we don't, and it's also something you do really well. But we would never do a bad connection for them. Like you connect him with the women and men that he's going to shoot in a beautiful way, and they'll have those images forever. And so do you. And everybody. Mm. has a good outcome right um and it's something also i think you're amazing at matchmaking because we met at this dinner uh with through a friend and i go as you know i'd rather be home with the dogs and my daughter and harry i have no interest in going <laughs> i hate these things she does it. i don't i hate maybe to leave it's a my starbucks house. and pray yeah that's basically it. <laughs> that's about it like living the wild <laughs> walking life. dog radius walking dog radius basically um so i go to like two of these dinners a year mm-hmm. um, with our mutual friend yep. who we really, I really ad- like adore her. So I said, okay, that's fine. I'll come, but sit me ne- on the end of the table next to somebody really interesting and fantastic and no one on the other side because <laughs> I was the stress of talking to two people. And my God, did she deliver? We Within yeah. 10 minutes of meeting, we had a really big connection over. Yeah, and I had meeting. seen, I didn't know it was you, mm. but I'd seen a lot of your work. Mm. And I was like, this is interesting. You know, because it's in your game. Um, how do I say this respectfully? Well, maybe I don't. And I just say it as is. Okay. There are a lot of incredibly fickle people in yeah. your industry that um, 
barely give you eye contact. I it's sad. They're, they're just trying to figure out what you can do for them. Right. And right. Uh, I did not get that vibe from either of you. And I was like, they can't possibly be both in the same game. And they're both exactly on the same moral compass. And I like that. Yeah. And I thought, you know, then that the combination of both of them. And also, you both had your frustrations that came from different places, but on the same compass. Yes. Mm. Yeah, um, I agree with that. You know, on the same side of the coin, right? That's true. Linked yeah. to, to, to the nepotism in this industry, mm-hmm. right? Let's yeah. call it what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, imagine the combination of, and, uh, you know, your talents match each other. The, this, the, sto- the story of some of your frustrations um, are completely aligned. Mm. So I knew at the very least you have one hell of a good conversation. Right. <laughs> yeah. well, we, we have a good did. session. We yeah, exactly. Did. And then a whole partnership. And But I do, I think, again, that's your emotional engine and your emotional intellect. It's It's so high. Your EQ is so high. And I do think that's why you will always be more than a photographer. Yeah. And Camilla's right about the film thing too because it's the humanity of the storyteller the it's the humanity of the way you see these people with so much compassion for their Mm. story but not getting involved in it you're right but you can shoot someone in a way that i will know their pain and their story but you've done it with pride and dignity and let let them hold that too and i think for you to do that through film as a storyteller makes it's so funny i'm just like Camilla's right. I, I can, you know, I love to manifest things for people. Yeah. I can totally see you doing film. Mm. Yeah, well, Zadrian is just too funny because it wasn't short. I mean, we got back from LA and then the world went pretty crazy mm-hmm. in terms of COVID. Um, and, and if you were going to tell me even then that I would end up shooting the cover shooting of the September issue of British Voice, even then, that's this year, I would have just thought you were properly. Drinking. Why do you think? It, why do you think this all has happened? I mean, like you know, for people who don't know, you must have been sleeping under a rock if you don't know. But you know, you were the first black man to shoot the cover of British Vogue, which is now under the editorship of Edward Innenfold. And I know yeah. that you've developed a really great relationship with him. Yeah. I mean, why do you? I always ask people, why do you think you were picked? Why did? Why did the universe? Why did God give you this mission? You know, a series of things happened. Um, I shot. Um, I love doing uh, projects that have nothing to do with celebrities or or just to hone my skills of photographer and just be a storyteller. And I did a project called Lost in Isolation mm. where I shot both of you. Yeah. I shot both they, of you. That, was, that was my favorite day yeah. in That was one of the highlights yeah. of quarantine. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm doing a photo shoot today. It was the only time I put on makeup in all of quarantine. And it was the only time I made an effort and combed my hair. Was that was a moment. Nice that was a nice moment. And now we have these amazing family pictures forever. No, which is I mean beautiful. it was, and it was just something I did to to d- deal with, you know, the anxiety we were all going through because we didn't know what the hell was happening, right? And I just reached out to people I respect and shot them. And one of the people I shot was Susan Bender, another wonderful mm. person in the industry. And Susan was like, "This is, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, your pictures are ridiculous. I'm going to show Edward." And I think other people had been whispering, uh, like Vanessa Kingori and other right. people had been 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 very kind to 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 tell Edward about me. And I think the thing about someone like Edward, he, when you're at the top and you know intrinsically that your gut does not fail you, mm-hmm. you can take what to us mere mortals looks like a huge risk. Okay. But to him, it's, it's hard to, I, like a- He built a career on Yeah, on, 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 I call yeah. his, what he did, it, the symphony of activism. And he was the orchestra, you know, he was a conductor of the orchestra. And I, I call it the symphony because there's so many moving parts and I played, you know, my part by 
taking the image. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Edward saw my anti-racist um, protest images, posted a few, We did, he did a few online articles about it. And then um, at some point, uh, he decided that this is the lens, the voice, the, the visual voice, if you like, that was needed to tell an incredibly important issue. Um, and what's crazy to me is that he, on the Zoom call, he said, Miss Anne, I'm going to let you do it your way. You know, it was styled by him and Donna beautifully, but in terms of, you know, me shooting such a... No, no, just do what you do. That's exactly what he said. And that is a man who truly believes in in, in when he empowers someone, he's like, you're yes. blessed. Go, Go for do it. You. Just do it. And it's a lesson for all of us. Yeah. Because when you wield, he's the most powerful man in fashion, no question. When you wield that kind of power and you, you empower others with it, that is something that can change the world. Mm-hmm. Truly. Because he's put me in a place where hopefully I can replicate in my own small way um, the same lifting of others up and giving them the opportunity they deserve. I will say no one's asking for handouts. If you trust me, if Edward thought my work was shit, yeah, it, it, you, it, yeah whether me. I'm black, yellow, blue, green, <laughs> it would not have landed on. No, it would not have landed on that. So, so it's not about asking for handouts. No, it's about recognizing that this guy may not have shot any cover before. But look at his work, yeah. you know, and and that's the that's the change we need in the industry, mm-hmm. and it's not just about um, the work that I did. It's about the team that was involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got people like Donna Wallace; she smashed it. Mm-hmm. Quiet, yeah, you know, unassumingly brilliant woman, you know, who Edward is shining his light on her as well. You know, you've got people like Vanessa Kingori handling the business end of British Vogue. Again, fearlessly brilliant. You've got to question how good she is and what mm-hmm. she does. You know, Deborah, Edward's assistant, who is so much more than the word, I hate the word assistant because she is, she it's is right hand. It's complete a, yeah. force of nature and handling so many moving pieces. All of these people are, I can go on and on about British Vogue, you know, and, and, and the team. So yes, it comes from the top, but he's empowering so many different people at different levels. Um, that you can see it in a publication like that. Yeah. What do you think about the rumors of him going to American Vogue and being the editor? You know, um, I just don't think this man uh, will fail in because of how he he goes about his work. Mm-hmm. So if, if that happens, um, he will just continue um, painting a new sort of voice, mm-hmm. a new sort of um, canvas, if you like, of what fashion can be you know fashion is has never been just about shoes and clothes mm-hmm. it's been about who we are who are you mankind and we've been telling it through the clothes but yeah. it's more than that it's who we are and edward understands that so of course he had to take a position position of activism he had to because vogue in its essence is is, is a reflection of who we are and if you ever forget that then it just becomes about objects. But I think Vogue, you know? used, I think Vogue used to yeah. be a reflection of a certain community of who people are. I think what Edward has done, having worked at the Vogue previous, before he came, mm. I think he's made British Vogue at least. Mm. It now truly is a reflection of the world. I agree. Before mm. I think before he came, 
No, maybe maybe I don't know what do you think, but I think Franca Sazani at Italian Vogue also did a really great job of showing the world. May she rest in peace. I mean, every, every, peace. everyone you can't but, have you know, a bad word. Franca, about yeah. you know, Franca. I mean, Edward kind of made his career as an, as a fashion editor at Italian Vogue because Franca, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not speaking out of term. Who I think Franca gave, gave more him. black people opportunities? There's one. Yeah. There's no. Yeah, yeah. she's she's the one. And, yeah. uh, but again, she was absolutely fearless yes. in what she thought was right, and she had an amazing moral compass. And it goes back, um, I just did did an interview this morning and they were asking me about, is it just putting a black person on the cover? Is that tokenism? I was like, uh. no, if you look at the top down, like what I've just said about Edward mm-hmm. and his moral mm-hmm. compass, mm-hmm. it's trickled out. Yes. It trickles down to who he wants to work mm-hmm. with. And, and that's that's how you, you force change, quite simply. So how are you going to, you know, speaking about, I'm really... Something that I really hold close to heart is helping out the next generation and photographers behind you, mm-hmm. um, you know, publishers behind you. What are you doing to kind of, you know, help out the next generation? What do you? How are you going to use your platform now? So there's the kind of hands-on stuff. So there are a multitude of different photographers that I'm giving, gosh, Zoom tutorials to <laughs> that I'm taking on shoots. Um, that I'm lending equipment to, mm-hmm. um, all the little things, but then I want to do something at scale. Mm-hmm. So I can't discuss it, but I'm in talks with with a, a quite influential agency um, about partnering with me and my media business, what we see, um, so we can have a talent uh, a business where I can um, spot brilliant people, not just in photography, but in the arts, who, for whatever reason, haven't been seen and heard. And then we, we, we manage them with a company that specializes in managing talent and make sure that um, they get seen and hopefully get, you know, get work. But I that's not the thing that you're doing with CAA. Is that separate? No, it's, not separate. it's okay. completely different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what we see, how has that evolved now that you're a photographer? Now that you, you, I mean, you're a father, you're a husband, you're a photographer, yeah. you are a publisher. You are the hardest working man I've ever Literally. met. Literally, I've never met a harder working <laughs> photographer. You are, you shoot seven days a week. It's and if you call me son at eleven o'clock at night and you're like, oh, it's a work call, sorry, he's like, nope, got it, got right. it, it's yeah. fine. No, I mean, what we see is is it's a great day for what we see today because I've just made the cover of Campaign, mm-hmm. which yes. is you know arguably the most important uh, publication for the advertising and brand world and a big part of that article is about what we see and how it's so important to have this media business that is an empathy engine you know I sort of what we see as a response to what I call the weaponization of mediocrity so the normalization of shit content you know so sort of love island culture gone mad mm-hmm. and I wanted people to have optionality in their taste and they didn't have to be from a privileged background like I am to have access to the very best in music arts and culture so I want to democratize the privilege I've had in my life to anyone with two things, an internet connection and an inquisitive mind. And that is the very nature of what we see, which is why it reached over a billion people last year and is, is, is growing from strength to strength. So it's hugely important that that business continues to, um, you know, help people that are drowning in the noise of the internet to find a safe place where they can enjoy the kind of um, music, film, art, poetry, that I love mm. and it's a great thing to show that in general people don't have bad taste they don't have time mm. so you end up reading the Daily Mail or whatever or listening to some shitty music because it's just there and usually the algorithms are pushing it to you anyway right so if you want to step outside of that it's just like where do I look 
And now just think what we see. If you go on any of our Instagrams, any of our Facebook pages, any of our websites, our podcasts, uh, the productions that we're now beginning to make, it's going to have that, uh, my team, I call them the human algorithm. Mm-hmm. And we publish everything heart first. You know, if something moves you, we want it up there. We want, we, we want you to feel what I felt. It's back to the emotional engine of the five-year-old. Yeah. It's, it is. It's, it's, but this time it's Harry Potter with actual magic. Right. <laughs> the, magic the magic is, is there in it. Yeah. The magic, the magic is, is happening. Yeah, I like to make people cry. I, I want you to learn, laugh, and cry. Those are the three things that I want to get Learn, laugh, and learn. Laugh and, and cry, cry. Yeah. and that's and that is what so that's everything is published heartfelt first yeah. human no algorithms human yeah. interest first yes learn laugh and cry <gasps> we oh, can talk to you yes. all day but I want to ask two last questions so you get yes. one I'll get okay, one perfect okay. so my question is um how is it impacting your family I know you have two little girls mm. and I think that what happens normally is as our careers begin to grow and evolve mm. and we get success i'm always interested to hear about balance mm. how you balance it being a father of two young girls how you balance it being a husband mm. with your career now which is obviously on the rise and going to yeah. continue to continue to be on the rise i think the balance question would be a lot harder for me to to answer if my soul wasn't so interlocked with camilla's you know Oof. so it, 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 I can't with these words. My son <laughs> No, the, what is the, the, the braille? I'll have to write that one down. I've never heard um, that one before. No, but because imagine you have this invisible arm that, that locks onto your, your partners and you just clench. It means to me that she knows that we have to go into the trenches when, when there's a really big life-changing opportunity for the family. And it's tough. You know, I have a two-year-old, I have an almost six-month-old and I'm not at home a lot. We're doing it by ourselves. And, you know, She's like, it's tough, but you don't worry. I, I have you. this, and if I, I don't you. have, if I don't have it, I'll let you know. Right, you know, and um, it's in the quiet moments when I'm at home and my babies are sort of asleep on our chests, and we're 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 talking to each other about how how we got here and 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 how our lives have changed so much um, that I realize that there is no vogue cover or any accolade that I could get that is more important anywhere near the my cubs and my woman. And if you know that, then everything else is a nice to have, right? And if you go through your professional life knowing what your priorities are, then it will never make you become the person that could ruin everything that truly matters. Because there's nothing in this world that would make me sacrifice the happiness of my daughters and Camilla. Absolutely nothing. And uh, that's probably why I can throw myself wholeheartedly into my work. Because I know I have that to come home to. And that's what really counts. Absolutely. I can't. Yeah, I can't. I'm, I'm like... Rap, so I don't start crying. Yeah. Oh, yes. rap. When you said that, I'm like this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like wobbly lip, bumpy chin, like keep it together. Um, but lastly, I just want to finish on this one because I think it's mm. a nice one for everyone to hear. But how has fatherhood changed or adjusted your emotional engine? Has it changed it? Yeah, I, I um, you know, was... Someone for a long time that didn't think I deserved to have kids. You know, I didn't think, um, this is the thing about self-doubt. You know, if you don't think you're worth much, you certainly don't think you are worthy of trying to look after other souls. And uh, 
Camilla and Bella, you know, I almost lost them in, 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 in birth. And I remember when um, I realized that they were both going to be okay. And that was, I think Bella must have been a month old then. She was a very tiny, premature baby, but we were back at home. And I, I was having a cigar and I was listening to a song called River by Liam Bridges. And that song just speaks to you. And it doesn't matter what religion you are, it's kind of a spiritual experience listening to that song. And I realized that, you know, Bella had already taught me more than I could ever teach her by choosing me, you know, and she's two now. And every single moment I have with her feels like a privilege. Um, and I, I feel like a lottery winner, you know, to have that opportunity. Um, so fatherhood to me, it feels like I'm in a dream that I am scared of waking up. That's how it feels to me. That's how you, you, it looks like a dream when I see you with your family and the way you are as a father. And I'm totally crying now because I couldn't, I just failed the ah. last hurdle. I kept it together the whole time. <laughs> um, and now here it is. Um, but I'm, I'm just, we love you. We love your emotional engine. We are here because of you in so yes. many ways. And it, it's. No, but we all have work to do. You know, we you, do. you we guys, have. you're, not, been you're giving, not. We've been giving these platforms yeah, and these yeah. positions. This isn't yeah. a game. You're, you're, we all, you, you know, there's a reason you two. We all have work to do. Yeah. We do. We'll do it together. It's more than it's it's, it's, it's it supersedes fashion now. It's 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 more than just pretty pictures. It's more than just pretty looks. We, I do think that we have been called, I, and I say this, and I and I'll say it jokingly, but I do think that we have been called to instigate change yeah. globally, yeah. and I think it will happen. It is happening. Yeah. So I hope so. We love you, Misa. Thank so you for much. doing our first podcast, Misa. <laughs> Harry Potter with all the magic. Yeah. <laughs> we and if you guys it. don't know, you know, follow at Misa on Harryman. Yeah. Just, at what we see. I can't imagine what I'm, I'm. Every time I see your name come on my phone, I'm like, oh my god, what is he going to say now? Is he just? No. It's always profound. It's always and something wonderful. crazy. And, and like, it always looks beautiful. And thank you for everything you give us. We thank love you. you. Thank, thank you. you. My pleasure.